You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. There are many golden rules that are generally accepted in our society. If you're a married man, you'd be wise to follow these two golden rules. And if you're employed in any capacity at all, you'd be pretty wise to follow this golden rule too. All jokes aside, it's safe to say that we like golden rules. Golden rules are widely accepted. They're promoted throughout all aspects of our modern day society. Schools, think about schools. Schools promote golden rule kind of ethics to try and educate children and help them to treat other people and teachers with the respect and the honour that they deserve. Workplace HR departments, they also subscribe to these kind of golden rule ethics to try and see a really healthy culture sort of flooding all the way down from the top to the very bottom of their organisational structure. Sporting clubs, sporting clubs also champion this sort of ethics as well, whether it be from their junior level, the, the young ones in an Auskick scenario, t- talking about how to treat one another, how to care for one another, how to share, how to look out for the needs of other people, or whether it's all the way through to their very senior teams, sporting clubs very much subscribe to golden rules. And similar golden rule ethics were promoted in ancient cultures as well, and they continue to be promoted in many other world religions today. For example, Confucius said this, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Isocrates, whatever anger you, when you suffer it at the hands of others, do not do it to others. Buddhism, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. And Hinduism, This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. These kind of golden rule ethics are and have been for generations generally been accepted as being worthwhile foundational ethical standards. They have and always have been ideals that have been generally accepted throughout society and people view them as being good for society and good for people too. And whilst these other golden rules do exist in our society today, and there's plenty more of them, I'm sure, none of them, not one of them, even comes close to comparing to Jesus' golden rule that maybe some of us this morning are somewhat familiar with. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse 12. Jesus says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Why not? Why is there something uniquely different and wonderful about Jesus' golden rule? Well, we're going to find out this morning. So let's just take a moment to pray as we open and as we celebrate God's incredible word and the gift that it is to us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you this morning. We just want to give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. You are such a good God. And we thank you, 
Jesus, for your goodness towards us in giving us the gift of this word, in giving us the gift that is the Sermon on the Mount and giving us the gift that is your golden rule. So Jesus, we pray today as we, as we take an in-depth look at your golden rule that you would reveal new insights. You would help to, us to capture your heart behind why your golden rule is everything and why your golden rule is above and beyond any other golden rule or ethical standard that exists and ever has. So Jesus, speak to us through your word today, we pray. In your mighty name, amen. As I said before, whilst there are many golden rule ethical standards at play in our world today, most of them actually differ quite significantly from Jesus' golden command. How so? I mean, I, I read through a few of them in introducing the topic this morning, and they seem fairly similar, don't they? They are fairly similar. At a quick glance, you would say that that's the case, but not if you stop to consider how it is that they're phrased. What's different about Jesus' golden rule? Well, number one, it's put in a positive and an active way. If you look at all of the other golden rules that are accepted in ancient society and in other world religions today, more often than not, they are expressed in a negative form. Do not, hurt not, negative forms, yeah? But Jesus chose to articulate at this point in history, at this point in sort of really the, the ending stage, the concluding part of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus chose to articulate this commonly held ethical standard that was well known by his audience at the time and is well known by us today, whether we're a seeker, an atheist or a believer, we know and we've heard of and to some level we've tried to kind of adhere to this golden rule in how we go about our lives. Jesus chose to articulate this in a positive and an active way. So why did he do this and why does it even matter? Well, it matters a fair bit. And as always with anything that Jesus says, it's always highly uh, intentional. There's real reason behind why Jesus does anything. Pastor Steve Weaver from the US, he explains why this matters so well. He says this, As Robert Mounts notes in his commentary on Matthew, all that the negative form of this idea requires is for the individual to do nothing. A corpse can fulfill it. But Jesus requires more, namely active service to others. Too often we view the golden rule in the way it was expressed by the ancient philosophers. Don't bother anyone else if you don't want to be bothered. Jesus' standard is much higher. Pursue the highest good of others just as you would want them to do for you. Here in verse 12, we see Jesus as he has time and time again all throughout his Sermon on the Mount. He raises the bar, doesn't he? He raises the bar and he takes a command that his listeners would have been quite familiar with. After all, they knew the Levitical law and that command to love God and love your neighbour. And he takes it. He takes this beautiful ethical guideline, the ultimate call that we have, and he takes it to a whole nother level. In saying what he does, Jesus is encouraging us to get active, 
to actively bless and serve others in exactly the same way that we would want for them to actively bless and serve us. Jesus makes this clear for us. And this is, this is so key. It's, it's key to living the abundant life. It's key to, to actually living a really enjoyable life. And it's this. We haven't been freed. We haven't been adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ to withdraw from engaging with people around us. He hasn't given his very life. That's what Jesus did. He gave his life for us, but he didn't give his life for us so that we would passively hold back from loving other people. Jesus sacrificed everything so that we could follow his example and we could follow him in making great personal sacrifices for the good of other people too. As renowned New Testament professor Don Carson says, here in what Jesus says, there is no permission to withdraw into a world where I offend no one, but accomplish no positive good either. And Jesus, at the end part of Matthew 7, verse 12, he goes on to explain what actually happens when we, with God's help, choose to live in this way. What happens when we follow Jesus in his way of love and live as kingdom citizens? Verse 12 in full. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. What does this mean? Well, basically, Jesus is summing up everything that he has said to this point so far. He is saying if we live sacrificial, selfless lives where we seek to, to bless and serve other people, we will fulfill the law and the prophets. Or as Pastor Sam Storm says, if we do this, we'll be fulfilling the demands of the Sermon on the Mount. We know that Jesus is summing up what he has said previously because of the word so, or maybe in your Bible it says therefore at the start of verse 12. By saying so or therefore, Jesus is encouraging us to consider, to, to think back to what he's already said and realize that everything, everything, all of his wonderful countercultural, radical teaching when boiled down, at their very core, are about how we love, value, and treat other people. Think about it. If we always followed Jesus' golden rule or law, there would be no need for any other rules or laws, would there? If we all loved our neighbour as ourselves, we would never be angry towards others. We would never commit adultery. We would never murder, lie, or steal. Would we? What a world, what a wonderful world that would be to live in. Unfortunately, that world, until Jesus returns at least, is a fantasy world. It is so far from reality. It is so far from the world in which we live. That world is, at this point in time, well and truly a fairy tale. And our world isn't that way right now according to the Bible, because it is full of people like you and me. 
as simple as straightforward as Jesus' overarching statement and command to love others appears to be, we can't keep it. We can't keep it because we are fallen and sinful human beings who most of the time, most of the time, are more interested in looking after, number one, than truly sacrificing our needs or our desires for other people. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains our struggle and our human state, I guess, really well in his book when he, when he writes these reflections in studies in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, The whole thing, our struggle to obey Jesus' command, can be brought down to one word, self. Our Lord expresses it by saying that we should love our neighbour as ourselves. But that is the one thing we do not do and do not want to do because we love self so much in a wrong way. We do not do unto others as we would wish them to do unto us because the whole time we are thinking only about ourselves and we never transfer our thought to the other person. That is, in other words, the condition of man in sin as the result of the fall. He is entirely self-centered. He thinks of nothing and no one but himself. He is concerned about nothing but his own well-being. This is the simple, literal truth about everybody in the world who is not a Christian and, alas, it very often remains true even of Christians. Instinctively, we are all self-centered. Man, he really nails it, doesn't he? He really nails our human struggle, our struggle with self. Self-centeredness is such a dangerous trap that all of us are susceptible to falling into from time to time. We can all so easily get caught up in it because whether we recognize it or not, we are all in desperate need of help. We are desperately in need of help to break free from our self-centered ways where everything revolves around us and we only do things when it's in our own best interests. So we can truly and wholeheartedly love others with Jesus' love, just as he calls us to. Now, here is the great news. We can follow Jesus with Holy Spirit's help and his enabling power at work in our lives to love others as we love ourselves. How? How can we do this? Well, we start by focusing our attention in the right direction. We start by loving God first. Jesus himself, he affirms this order of love priority when he shares these well-known commands later on in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Want to love our neighbor as ourselves? Want to love our spouse sacrificially? 
want to love our really annoying and cranky manager in our workplace? Well, we can do that when we start by loving God first. We can't actually love our neighbor as ourselves until we love and enjoy our awesome God. When we look to God, when we, when, we, when we put our gaze upon him, when we set aside time to just truly seek his face, to sit in his presence and see him for who he is, we, in, you know, in all his splendor, in all his holiness, when we get an accurate view of God, all of a sudden we're humbled. We are well and truly humbled. We fall either literally or figuratively flat on our faces, and we are in awe. And as we are in a place of closeness and intimacy with God, and as we become more aware of our own sinfulness and our own flaws when compared to our perfect, sinless, righteous Father God, we realize, and this is so good, you might have realized this as you've spent time with God as well, we suddenly come to realize that we have far more in common with our sinful neighbor who we don't really like too much over there. We realize that we've got far more in common than we first thought. And through spending time being humbled in God's presence, we can better relate with others. We can actually empathize with other people. I love how Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains the, the good fruit that comes from spending this kind of humbling time in God's very presence. It says this, We see them no longer as hateful people who are trying to rob us of our rights or trying to beat us in the race for money or position or fame. We see them as we see ourselves, as the victims of sin and Satan. We see them to be exactly as we are ourselves. Both of us together must run to Christ and avail ourselves of his wonderful grace. How true is that statement? It's only ever through loving God first that we can ever come to a point where we can genuinely love others as we love ourselves as we recognize our own sinful state and our own desperate need for help, desperate need for Jesus, we are humbled and we're actually positioned in a place where we can receive the grace that Jesus has to give us. And the grace that Jesus gives us always leads us to take action. It always leads us to take action. It always leads us to be active in loving God and active in loving others as ourselves. I'm wondering today, friends, are you acutely aware of how desperately you need Jesus' help? Are you aware of how much you are truly reliant on Jesus' grace to do any good thing, especially to actively love God and actively love others as yourself. We are all, whether we recognize it or not, we are all desperately in need of Jesus' help. We don't want to be consumed with self, do we? None of us do. So right now, we're going to actually set aside a little bit of time 
to come before God and ask him for help. Perhaps you're listening, perhaps you're watching, you're with us today and you would describe yourself, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, maybe you describe yourself as a seeker, someone who is on the lookout for reality, someone who's on the lookout for spiritual truths to live your life by and to follow. Well, God wants you to know this today. Jesus is who you are actually seeking. Jesus is who you are looking for. Come to him today. Come to him today. Make today the day where you approach him and you are received into relationship with God. He's calling out to you. He wants to free you. He wants to take the burdens that you're carrying and replace on you his burdens, which are light and able to be borne. He wants to forgive you. That's what Jesus is in the business of doing. And he wants to open the door for you to enjoy abundant life in relationship with his Father. Now and forever, for all eternity, when we all move on to heaven one day. And the Bible makes it clear. This is what Paul says in Acts 16.31. All you need to do is believe in him, believe in Jesus in faith. Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Will you choose to believe in Jesus today? If you do, you can be sure of these promises. You will be saved and Jesus will give you his amazing grace to live an abundant life in loving relationship with him and in loving relationship with other people too. If that's you, I want to really encourage you this morning. Jesus is ready and waiting for you. Take some time out in just a moment to reach out to God, talk to him. That's what prayer is, just talking with God and believe in Jesus today. If you're with us today and you would call yourself a Christian, can I encourage you to take this time that we're going to have in just a moment to remember and reflect on just how desperately you need Jesus' grace each and every day too. Humbly approach God's throne of grace and ask him for grace and supernatural help from Holy Spirit so that you can actively love God and actively love others as yourself with renewed energy and renewed passion and renewed joy that comes from Holy Spirit. We're going to all just take a moment right now to sit at God's feet, to talk with him, knowing, and this is the beautiful thing about our God if you don't yet know him, our God loves to spend time with anyone, with anyone at all, who is humble enough to come before him and seek him out. So let's spend some time together in prayer or just talking with God right now.
you've made the decision to trust in Jesus Christ today, can I encourage you to let me know, let us know here at Liberty Family Church. We'd love to get alongside you. We'd love to hear your story and how God has transformed your heart and the journey that he's taken you on to this point. It would be so good. So please be sure to reach out to us either through a messenger or on our website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au forward slash online, and you can fill in the connect form there. I'd love to catch up with you as well, have a coffee together or something. Would love to encourage you as you've made this faith step today in trusting in Jesus Christ. How about we just close our time around God's word in prayer right now. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your heart to love people. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you died so that we might not have to die. You gave your very life sacrificially so that we could live. And we thank you, God, that as we, as we reflect on that, as we look to you, as we recognize the lengths to which you went to love us, God, we just can't help but have hearts that are grateful. And then, Lord, as we have hearts that are grateful and recognize that you loved us even when the Bible says that we were still dead in our sins, Lord, we are just humbled and overawed. And from that point, God, we are better able to love you with everything we've got in an active way. And we are better able to see others as we see ourselves. And then we're able to better love others as we love ourselves. So Holy Spirit, would you continue to speak to every single one of us, guide us, strengthen us, shape us, so that we would be people who are, through your power and yours alone, living in line with your kingdom and loving you actively and loving others actively as we love ourselves. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen.